Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. Okay, guys, there's more internet drama. I feel like whenever someone is canceled on the internet, we need like a breaking news, breaking news, and another <laughs> right, right. homosexual adjacent is canceled on the internet. Um, uh, this time it is the ally, Tyra Banks. Um, That's right. She's not a homosexual. Well, at least mm-hmm. she, might, she may have touched a badge. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. she is getting a lot of heat on the socials because of something that happened on a previous her previous show, America's Next Top Model, where, well, we'll just play the audio real quick. So, Danielle, you went to the dentist, but you refused to have your gap closed. Do you really think you can have a CoverGirl contract with the gap in your mouth? Yeah, why not? This is all people see. It's Easy Reads Beautiful CoverGirl. It's not marketable. Yeah, just a little bit. It's okay, but I don't want to completely close it. Well, I guess she just left the gap wide open for another girl, baby. I agree. So, yeah. So, basically, she was suggesting, not suggesting, she was saying that this, like, it, to make it in the modeling world, this this model has to, um, her name was Danny, has to get the gap closed. Because back then, in 2006, she was saying that you just weren't going to make it as a model if you had a gap, a gap tooth. Um, and so people, there's, there's a bunch of these clips, a bunch of clips like this where she has well, no, what but this we one, would now describe no, as sort this, of insensitive. Uh, yes, but this one, she's not being dragged for necessarily the other clips. It's this specific clip that is like really what's igniting the drama right really? now. This ga- it's yes, the tooth I'm, one? Yes, there's a lot of them, but the tooth one is the one that blew it all up, which is oh okay, surprising. Oh, wow, um, because that that, that's the, that's the big one. That is <laughs> the, the big one. The gap in her teeth. Yes, that is the big one. That that's is the crazy one that- because I thought because uh, you know the the articles that we read. Yeah, uh, you know the homework we have to do for the podcast. I I they had a bunch of these clips, and I there thought are. the tooth one was. By no, far the most ridiculous. The tooth one yeah. is the one that started it. And then uh, she's gotten into trouble over the years because of problematic things on America's Next Top Model. Let's just be clear. But right sure, now, sure. the current uproar in social media started with the gap in the tooth. And then it's sort of, as articles were written, it sort of picked up all these other problematic things that have been hashed out over the years uh, from America's Next Top Model. But it was the gap in the tooth. that It's the gap gate. Sure. So, Alan, what's what's your take? What do, what do you think? Well, well, first off, let me read some of what what, pe- what they're saying on social media about okay. this. So, there was one tweet um, from an E News correspondent, Nina Parker, that said, "I remember watching this as a young woman and felt extremely discouraged to be on TV because of this scene." And then she later said, "You know that also my gap in TV contract now say hi." Um, another one said, <laughs> another another Twitter user said, "Eleven year old me with a gap in my mouth watched this and became obsessed with closing my gap." Now, now, keep in mind, Ugh. this was 2006. And some of the other problematic things that happened on America's Next Top Model, just to give people a rundown so they know, is there were models that were uh, for a Got Milk campaign in like season three or four where they had to change ethnicities, be darkened or lightened or whatever. Um, model Models uh, played biracial women in later seasons. One model gained weight during the season and it was always sort of a theme where they were poking yeah. fun at that. Or she would have to play like, there was one where she had to, like you had to do animal sort of things and she was the elephant and stuff like that. Um, and then there was a sexual assault survivor who was forced to do a sexually charged photo shoot. Uh, right. And of course, multiple instances 
instances of homophobia over the years. And sure. the, the Tyra sort of responding to a lot of this heat that came up on social media recently, she actually responded to it, which I give her credit for. She wrote in a tweet, I've been seeing these posts about insensitivity on the show. Um, looking back, those were some really off choices and I appreciate your honest feedback, uh, which is, I think, admirable. Um, my yeah. take on it is, Michael and I have actually been talking about this a lot since this drama started. Mm. Um, and my take on it is like we, what we've always sort of said on this show that I don't think people should necessarily be canceled for something that happened in the past that yes, while it was wrong at the time, it did reflect cultural and social norms at the time that were then acceptable. But now thank God we've learned and accepted and society has come along with that ride that it's not necessarily the nicest thing to shame someone for their body or God forbid their race or, you know, yeah. their gender or whatever. Um, and so I'm glad we've evolved, but I also don't think we should look at quote unquote history right. with the lens of modern day and apply modern day standards to history. Michael's take on it is that the fashion industry and Tyra really represents this. The fashion industry is this always changing, ever evolving artistic expression that is reflected within the times that they exist in. And to back then, to have a gap tooth, you weren't getting very far as a model. And sure, she should not have suggested this. She should not have reflected and gone in the direction that she went. But that it to hold fashion and art in particular to sort of these standards in retrospect is troublesome. I, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm just shocked that the tooth that the tooth thing was the big one because I, you know, I came into this discussion thinking, look, I, I have, I, I feel the same way, Alan. I don't, I, I'm not a supporter of cancel culture. Um, and, but I also wasn't going to, you know, attempt any sort of apology on behalf of Tyra Banks for some of the things that she'd said in her show, which certainly were, you know, dare I suggest Bad. problematic, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, all of my notes were about the tooth thing. Cause I was like, I don't, I don't even understand. I, I guess I find it particularly ridiculous. I hate that someone would want to join an exclusive or elitist club, which is to say models by saying that they're already too exclusive. So what someone is saying is I am almost perfect. And there is this one thing about me that makes me quote imperfect for, I guess, fashion model standards. And that should be changed. Well, I guess I would argue I have six things that make me imperfect for mm -hmm. fashion model standards. So therefore, the entire industry should be changed so I can model. I, like, it's, it's like someone's trying to participate. It's like I'm, I'm trying to join a club that's about perfect people. Yeah. And I resent. I'm almost there. But I have one thing wrong with me. And I resent that you want perfection. Well, you're trying to join a club that's about perfection. Well, and, and one thing I do want to add to that, just because I forgot to say part of what Michael was telling me earlier, you know, one of the things that models, and of course, there's a hierarchy and power structures, and it's hard to say no sometimes and all of that, like that, that should be definitely stated. But that Danny, the model in question, who had the gap tooth, she did do the thing that a model, a professional model, especially a successful model would do in that situation by saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I refuse to do that. Yeah, and, and kudos to her, by the way. And, and she and she eventually did sort of close it a little bit, but not all the way. I, I love a gap little I love that gap. Yeah, I love it. a gap. <laughs> well, Elliot loves any imperfection, <laughs> you know. I mean, he's, Wait, Elliot, not imperfection, yeah, he, it's he, charm. He 
It's charm. What, it's charm. What's your What's your stance, Elliot? I mean, it it for me like I I've I was never interested in America's Next Top Model, you know, and um, this was I wasn't really interested in it, but I thought it would be interesting to talk about. Um, and I yeah, I mean, I, I'm also kind of like along the same along the lines with Brent of the idea of revisionist history being an impossible thing to conquer. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like it, this week, um, the thing that I did actually follow pretty in, uh, closely was this Lana Del Rey uh, mm-hmm. uh, cancellation that happened very quickly <laughs> <laughs> about, uh, I, I think I said, or do you guys know about it? Yeah, I do. You yeah. told me about yeah. it. What so the idea again, is though? Lana Del Rey uh, like announced an album, a new album by putting one of these like long, tirades on her like app uh, like her <laughs> iphone notes but put it on posted it on right, instagram right. and it was this bizarre like 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 zigzagging uh uh memo quote to the culture which is already like quite a disaster when you start your instagram note with to the culture mm-hmm. and it was all about basically like she was whining about not getting the type of critical under like not be not being uh, being criticized for being vulnerable in a way and she started name checking other female pop stars almost all of them being um of color which is you know already a problem problematic you know mm-hmm. but it's so fascinating to me because in comparison with this you know America's next top model thing where people are trying to cancel Tyra with Lana Del Rey, it was like pure, like icky white privilege, and and it's happening now. Mm-hmm. And she even says, like in her diatribe, "I'm not a feminist, but I like appreciate the women who do that, who like carry mm-hmm. that torch, so to speak." And it's just like, why would any? Why are people going to go pick through old clips of yeah. America's Next Top Model to find these things when? This with this thing with Lana Del Rey is happening right now, and it doesn't require revision. You know, revision. It's mm. happening right now, and she's digging her own grave. Yeah, and I'm like, that to me is much more interesting because. Well, I you, think because she's doing it to herself. Where, yeah. where, whereas with with Danny, the model on America's Next Top Model, rightly so, she was the victim of shame. Yeah, she was the victim, and she was she was owning her own stance, and I think. I mean, I think they're different in that way. That 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 Lana Del Rey is not a victim here, and everyone sees. Well, she's painting herself as one. Well, yeah, but like mm-hmm. Danny never painted herself as a victim. She absolutely. Said, she said, "I'm not doing that. This is my standards. I get that that's the standard of modeling, but I'm not doing that." And and that and I and I think and I think in many ways it represents sort of like just as queer artists, you know, for many years. I mean, not so much now, but like even when we were starting out and performing and stuff, like you kind of had to. It, there was a bravery in sort of like owning your sexuality on straight shows and saying, yes. I'm not going to cover up being gay here. Like I'm mm-hmm. going to be gay here and, mm-hmm. and just let it be a part of this night's dialogue. And like, there is strength in that. So like, I think, I do think the two are different, but on America's Next Top Model, I will say there was something that I've been thinking a lot about lately. If you think about how America's Next Top Model was edited and and the layout of the show and how it sort of ran and had the competition of it all it really set the stage for like shows like drag race i mean drag race is so influenced by america well, drag race feels like a like a pure parody of it yeah mm-hmm. it started yeah. as a parody of it and then became its own game show exactly it's so interesting the influence of america's next top model on reality 
television and culture. I mean, you look back at gifts, the gifts that are used so popularly, popularly are from America's Next Top Model. Like it's insane the impact that show had. And it made me think like, what about that show was so culturally relevant? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't have the answer to it. Though. It was so it was diverse. It was it was a show that was led by a black woman with with a diverse cast. Something you didn't see a lot on reality television. You look at Survivor. You look at oftentimes you know these other competition shows, and it's mostly white people. And 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 it was it's a really interesting show. And I can't really pinpoint what made it so unique. Well, I'm we curious. Talk, what we've, the, we've talked about this before. Is I, I think sort of an interesting shift in reality television, which was from the early days of Survivor, American Idol in particular, where like part of part of the dynamic was that there's one mean person that makes people feel bad. Yeah. And I've I've noticed that I feel like reality shows these days rarely has that element. They're, Never. They're almost almost all judges are always kind of like, yes. happy and and the voice. Like I, I, yeah. And, and you know what? I watch these these like <laughs> right around like Halloween. And Thanksgiving and Christmas, Food Network has all these like Christmas cookie bake off. Yeah. And I just devour them. I yeah. always watch every minute of them. I love those shows. They, every judge is, all they do is tell the, the, the contestants how great like their mm-hmm. icing was. And it just feels good. I just yeah, like that's it. That's why my sister, lo- my sister and my brother in law love. Big, great, big British bake. Uh-huh. Big oh, great. Good. Sure, that too. Because it's just light and positive and yeah. encouraging. And and I, I can appreciate that. I can understand that. Because, I mean, Brent, you're right. I mean, like, it feels like early reality TV was very mean, including on really Next Top mean. Model. But, uh, great, Alan, what, when you say, like, there was um, moments of, like, homophobia or homophobic moments, like, what, what are people referring to by that? Well, there were lots of models that were either queer or gender non, I wouldn't say lots of gender non-binary, but there was lots of, so there was one season where a model I think came out as bisexual and, you know, they reacted to it in such a way where people would like run around the apartment screaming, like get, like get away, get away from me or something, but then they would be okay with it at the month. Like it was just so there, just like anything from that era, the language they used often did not reflect how we view queer reality today. And mm. it can be cringeworthy. Like watching old drag race and hearing them say tranny, it can be cringeworthy to hear the language they use. And it would be homophobic by today's standards. Oh, yeah. It was, it was homophobic then too, don't get me wrong, but it was a different time. So so this is something we've discussed a couple times. I just, I can't, I keep going back to this and I can't get over the fact that this is all about the gap in the tooth comment. And <laughs> why? And I just I just find it so arbitrary and unimportant. And I get I just, that. I, I just I I guess like also like when are we allowed like of course I, I would never I'm I'm with Elliot. I, I also like gaps in teeth sometimes. But also when are we allowed to say that something is acknowledge it admittedly a quote imperfection and like i i think that that yeah. can be acknowledged without it being deemed oppressive which i feel like maybe the i mean tenor also of this argument is that has you have oppressed me tyra banks and has fashion i mean mm-hmm. maybe michael knows but like i feel like fashion has from the very little that i know has moved t- more toward some like like having something charming or interesting in the way you look based even like there's that model Winnie Harlow who I think has vitiligo right she was on she she was a very controversial castmate on America's Next Top Model oh you know who also has vitiligo 
John Sullivan, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Your dad? My dad, yeah, go ahead, sorry. No. But like, so she has vitiligo like on her face. It has, so- you're right, Elliot, it has changed, but it also hasn't. You know what I mean? You don't see a lot of people of different sizes. You don't see a lot of people of, you know, a, a lot of different cultural representation. You know, where do you know a lot of sort of like in Indian or sort of that Middle Asian area models that are supermodels right now? No, because right now the top models are like daughters of reality television, the Hadiths, <laughs> right, the Kardashians. Right. You know, you don't see that a lot represented. You see, you see the ones that are sort of tokenized, you know what I mean? Like the one model that you can reference with Vitilago yeah. or the one model that is sort of very thin and very, very dark skin. And that's great that they're getting work. And I love that. But it's at the same time, it's like, there could be a broader spectrum. Well, just to parallel this, like I've been like for whatever, I don't know how I got here other than to say that my boyfriend has started watching the Hills oh, yeah. <laughs> in, in quarantine. Right. And I had never had, and like, I was like, <clears throat> you couldn't pay me to watch that show. I had Are you no obsessed interest. now? Are you obsessed? And now I'm, I find it to be hypnotic. It's good. I, I, I'm obsessed. It's, and it's hypnotic. And, and, but what's so interesting too, is that I can remember, and, and it's so evident on the show. They don't even try no. to cat, to talk about, to show diverse diversity. Mm-hmm. They don't try to do anything. It's literally nothing but straight haired, well, uh, Caucasian uh, heterosexual. They don't even try, and, and that, the women have to be so thin. It's it's just like mm-hmm. it feels like another world. That brings up something that I thought this conversation was going to go in. Actually, was like that sort of problematic nature of television, especially older tele- older reality television or competition shows, etc. And how, or even like watching Wendy Williams and stuff, like like we know and i think we talked about this with naomi smalls on the past episode but like we know that like certain things are problematic to watch or to support or to oh, endorse yeah. but yet we still watch we're all it. passive yeah. participants because we you know, still because we're obsessed with it can can i can i actually read there was one line that i actually thought was almost appalling to me in one of the articles that that elliot sent about the the backlash against tyra the exact quote was at the time, it was entertaining to watch. Now we see the show for what it is, super problematic, toxic, and abusive. And it's like, I, of course, I respect that there's an evolution in culture, but like, but then, but inherent in that statement is, I was an active participant mm-hmm. in making this popular. Yeah. And this was, I, I would argue, you know, a part of an arc in society. You know, I would like to think that we're getting to a better place. Maybe we've gone, you know, anyway, I would like to think we're getting to a better place, but like, I just, I can't get over reading articles like this and watching uh, uh, clips of people on social media say, look how problematic the show is. Well, it's because you're, you're binging the show because you're, you're enjoying yeah. You know, the We're show all, you can turn it off. Of. Yeah. Also, by yeah. the way, I, I uh, this whole thing is so ridiculous because again, the show is about finding supermodels, which who whom make all of us who certainly make me look like absolute garbage. It's like we're watching this vapid, ridiculous oh no. show. I love a supermodel. And look, God love you. I mean, I do too. But but that's that's the thing. It's like 
I, I recognize my role in this, which is well, I'm, I'm sort of living vicariously through people who look better than me. We're all, we're all <laughs> a part of the problem. And like, I, I mean, I mean, maybe we can know this, but I, I like, I've said this often, if I am ever on like a reality show, a reality competition show, I am so ready to be that problematic, mean, <laughs> like, like I'm ready to be the one, like I have a goal that every single week I'm going to lie and come up with a new bad thing in my past. Oh my like, God. You're my the dad villain. beat me. Like, I mean, I already have the cancer shit. So that's one episode. Like I could do like a whole, like my mom left me. You know what I mean? Like I want to, <laughs> I want, I want to make it like mean and tear jerky. Uh, <laughs> well, well, now that we know that about Alan, we can uh, <laughs> say the podcast is over. Thanks guys. <laughs> Not even joking. Uh, so we're here with May Martin. Hey May, how are you? Hello. I'm hey, okay. hey. Yeah, I'm I'm okay today. How how are you guys? Yeah. Just yeah. okay? Up and down, you know? Yeah. It's well, so London. Right? It's so I mean, bright and sunny there. Yeah, it's a nice day today. I'm very much in London. Yeah. And we, yeah. we just had like our prime minister just um addressed the people and it's always just mm. it makes you Wait. feel like you're living Every time I hear the prime minister, I always want someone just to mess up their hair and go. Ooh. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Boris Johnson to me. Wait, it's so what, like, what's what's London like right now? Um, it's people aren't like blatantly. Uh, what's the word? Flaunting the rules? Like, like people are mm. taking it seriously, but it's just our, sure. our government is. They won't give any clear advice. So their recent yeah. slogan is "Stay alert," and that's the kind of the only advice they're giving. Great, is, great guys, advice. Stay alert. Stay alert. Yeah. <laughs> just, just be wary. Uh, yeah. Has it been? Has it been rough there? I mean, I mean, it's yeah, yeah, it's bad here in 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 the states. Yeah, yeah. It's. I think England's the worst in Europe now or something. Yeah, I read that recently. Yeah. yeah. It's it's so scary because it's like I mean, similar to the United States, I think we both have governments and leaders of our governments that at first did not take it very seriously. Did not yeah. did not did not impose and like new information now is showing that like if we had done stuff earlier, we could have saved countless lives mm-hmm. um from, yeah. in both the uk and here it's 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 we're very similar right now us in the uk i know we are totally yeah, yeah I, w- I will say i have noticed my level of anxiety has dropped off and i could tell based off of how i'm answering phone calls from my mom oh, <laughs> like okay. where it started like in like mid-march every time my parents called i was answered immediately anxious instantly looking for signs of like illness or worry like in their voice yeah and then like you know then like april like mid to late april i was still anxious but not as not quite as so because they were taking it seriously you know they were staying at home not seeing a lot of friends literally my mom calls me now i'm like what do you need what do you need mom (laughs) i'm just like i'm like annoyed again it's it's like i'm back to being like the same person now yeah that i was two months ago and how, May, your parents, you, you grew up in Canada, right? So how, how are your parents holding up? Yeah, they're okay. They don't leave the house anyway. So they spend all their time <laughs> uh, in Toronto playing uh, board games with each other. Like for oh. about five hours a day for the past 20 years, they've played um, all through the evening board games. So oh, it's not, it's not wow. too different. Yeah, they're holed up and they're, they're taking it seriously. And Do, wait, do they do like boutique board games or they do like mono- endless Monopoly? The classics, so we're oh, talking uh, wow. Scrabble, wow. Scrabble, Monopoly, 
poker they play um, <laughs> and then they're branching out now they're playing like some japanese board games like blockus but um oh nice wow. oh, brent we don't we don't all, we don't all have um boutique board boutique game board money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. i don't even have i don't even have boutique board game money but i have no. a friend who does and he he buys board games where like the game itself has like three different types of currency and you're like yeah. oh fuck off oh, like, I, no. don't, I don't want to like may, learn may, this may, may. we have to we, Elliot and I have to tell you that Brent actually is a board game creator oh he no way created a true crime board game that <laughs> oh, I will say good. I have won I think both times right I think, both I times think you've done quite well yeah I've done quite say well, well but you did quite well okay yeah. well you know it's more than more than zero <laughs> <laughs> true true crime like you're like you're Jack the Ripper and you're put, like not quite. It's it's yeah. it's How designed. You, <laughs> it's it's designed. Uh, people the the people playing are trying to. I basically boil down ten or fifteen different murder cases with like real interrogations and evidence and stuff into like sort of this impartial presentation that lasts for like two minutes, and then Whoa. the the players can like guess and ask questions and then they have to determine if the accused is guilty or not it's, it's amazing it's very it's very fun i have a lot of fun it's so, so much that, fun thanks like guys. where my the first place my brain went was oh you're jack the ripper and you're like what did i make <laughs> i made when, you the murderer you're the killer <laughs> well, you're, you know well, that actually makes sense that, that makes, makes sense, sense. Yeah. amongst our friend group if anyone killed us it would be brent <laughs> i literally think about killing people every day it's yeah. so funny you say that because this weekend i, I was reading the wikipedia pages of Jack the Ripper's victims. <laughs> Wait, well, he, he it was like it could have been the prince. I was reading I was reading this biography on Queen Victoria and there was this whole section about how Queen Victoria was obsessed with Jack the Ripper stuff and uh, that that they believed that there was this rumor going on that it was like her son or something or some prince, I forget the <laughs> connections. But yeah, it's fascinating. Fascinating. It's so weird that they have they have like Jack the Ripper tours in London where you you mm-hmm. go in a group to all the places that he killed people, but I'm like, is that okay? Like, that is so yeah. Lord. Yeah. They have them here it's in, so in LA. They have them in LA too. They have oh, tours really? of like murder houses. And oh, stuff. I've been on yeah. those tours. Thank yeah. you. Oh, Thank really? you. Yeah. What, do you like them, Alan? Yeah. I mean, no, but I shot oh. a thing once and I was on one. That's why. <laughs> but I will say I, about London tours, one of the things that separates London museums tours etc from the u.s is that the u.s we have reenactors like reenactment actors at like you know places like jamestown or whatever like they come and they but they're not really committing to it you know what i mean they're not really they're, they're just sort of like in the garb and they're like this is the house whereas in london i went to um, Thomas Jefferson, not Thomas Jefferson, uh, Benjamin Franklin's house in, uh-huh. in, in London. And it started off as a totally normal tour. You go to the basement, you watch this little video, and this cute little woman, little teenage sort of whatever, she's like, mm-hmm. okay, the tour will start in a moment. One back, I'll be right back. And she comes back, yeah. she comes back into the room in full <laughs> 1700s garb being like, oh, the master wow. will see you now. <laughs> and like, you go upstairs like, oh, I can hear Benjamin Franklin, Master Franklin's in the house oh my god <laughs> and they're so committed i love it i love i, lo- it. I love london i love it that's so <laughs> actually great. speaking of i mean speaking yeah let's, of london, let's what, get to may may what brought you to london from uh from toronto because I, I mean there obviously you're an actress you're a comedian you're a writer um what was the impetus for you to move you know continents I, um, well, my dad's British. He grew up in London. So I had some family and a, and a, well, crucially a passport, a British passport. And then, uh, I was dating someone who wanted to do a master's degree in London. And uh. I was like, fuck, I don't, I, I don't know. I, 
I wasn't into it. And she was like, let's just go for two years and see. And you can do comedy. Because I'd, I'd already been doing comedy in Canada. Yeah. And then uh, I loved it. And she hated it. She left. I started. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was that like? Was it like, did you guys know very quickly that like this was not going to work? Or did you kind of make it work for a couple of years and then she left? Or Oh, no, we made it, we made it work. And then we got engaged and we were going to get oh. married. But we were just... We wanted to be in different countries, so then oh, wow. it, uh, it, didn't, it didn't work out. Yeah, We're friends. We're wow, that's friends. great. Well, yeah. lesbi- le- lesbians yeah, often, they have, I will say, I mean, I, I have friend, lesbian friends who do, have, do not talk to their exes, but for the most part, most of my lesbian friends have great relationships with their exes. Oh, I do not find that to be the case. I mean, for me, yeah, I mean, I'm bi. I have, I'm close with all, all my most of my exes but yeah i have most of my friends yeah it, it's this it's so high school though to be like well mm. you're out of my life now forever i don't yeah. know i can't I, yeah. that's that's how i am though oh really yeah, oh, yeah i'm definitely like you are dead to me there's only a few that i'm like there's only a few that i'm like you yeah. know what i'm gonna unfollow you on instagram for like six months and then if i'm emotionally ready to follow you back i will but don't yeah. wait for it yeah, it's case by case, right? For, yeah. for me, for yeah. me, the struggle is if they remain hot, I <laughs> cannot stop checking their Instagram for the rest of my life, and that's the that's the burden of social media. Oh is my god! Yeah, I happen. To, I just also happen to have a good memory, and so occasionally, and I'm not kidding, someone will pop into my head who I spoke to in 2013. Cause that's oh. when I started using the apps and I'll be like, I remember this one. And then I will, I'll remember his name and then I just can't help but see where they are now. And yeah. I'm like, what are they, you know, what do they look like? You're like the, the, the um, Mar- Mary Lou Henner of, <laughs> right. of gay I'm, like, I'm, a, I'm a savant when it comes to masturbation fodder. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So your cool. ideal scenario is that you break up with someone and then they get in some kind of Burns accident. And- <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wait, I, May, I, May. I, won't, I won't agree to that, but but close, but close. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're exactly right, May. Um, uh, May, you are because we haven't said this yet, and I feel like we should. Yeah, we you should. are a star, co-creator. You're co-creator, right, and star of the Netflix series. Feel good. Yeah. Why did I, I like say that you, like you were coming know, to say? It's feel called feel good. feel good. Feel good. I know. Yeah. yeah. No, but it's great. It's great. I will say I, I told you this before we started the podcast, but I'm gonna do a brag, a humble brag right now. Mm-hmm. I just interviewed Lisa Kudrow for a thing, and I brought up the show, and she spoke she very highly of you. Yeah. yeah. She plays your mom. That's. Yeah. I need to know. I want like. I'm resisting the urge to be like, what exactly did she say? <laughs> like, I want, I want to know. Maybe it'll be um, in the transcript. I don't know. Aww. I'll send it to you. <laughs> That's so nice. Yeah, she she was so. I I just still can't believe that she did it. You know, mm-hmm. she flew to Blackpool, this tiny town in in England, and we all were just like waiting for her to cancel the day before. You know, really? Like, yeah. Yeah, and then she she flew and was so amazing, and yeah, what a dream! Literally, she's like the Carol Burnett of comedy. I think she's she's just yeah. a comic. TV legend. Yeah. It's so intelligent. Like just yeah. a really scientific kind of mind and, and, and really funny and, and yeah. She always has, I mean, not, she has always seemed to me not just like based a lot in like the work that she's chosen after friends to have mm-hmm. a very adept, you know, knowledge or, or, or taste for like high comedy, yeah. the com- you know, the comeback and, and oh, yeah. anything she does, you can just tell she's like, very smart. The comeback and, is just brilliance beyond brilliant. Yeah. 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 Wait. So, May, let me ask you. I know that you have, you know, 
your parents are very sort of open. You grew up in like a liberal utopia. Is it true that like when you were very young, you had like the talk about the birds and the bees with them? Yeah, they were, my, my parents were, yeah, my mom especially was kind of a hippie and really into um, telling me all the facts of life. Very board game hippie, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> she's a board game hippie. <laughs> so when I was about five, she sat me down and told me, uh, what sex was, and she included gay sex in that, and and everything. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And she told me what an orgasm was. And, yeah. Wow. But then what did the she problem, tell you it was? <laughs> she said. So she said it was really steeped in imagery, and she said it was a uh, an explosion of rainbows cascading across the sky. Is what it felt like. Oh, brother! <laughs> I think oh, she and I brother. are having very different orgasms. <laughs> exactly. Anyway. Like, yeah. it, it, was Lisa, it was a Lisa Frank ex- uh, illustration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like she didn't talk about the depression afterwards, but then um, yes, <laughs> I'm filthy. Because what am I doing? Yeah, right. yeah. Come down. Yeah. Maybe she but didn't then, have uh, that. in that same conversation, she told me like, "There's no God. There's no Santa Claus." Like it was. Oh my it was god! Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How old were you? Five. Yeah. Oh my I, god! Five. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We'll have to take out the Santa Claus part. We have a lot of three-year-old listeners. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Uh, uh, take that out. Please. I will note it. Note it. Yes. You know, it, it reminds me. I have a good friend who was the counselor of a camp that was like a female empowerment camp, and. Uh, and it would take young women, uh, young, I guess young girls, because it was like early middle school and kind of basically work over, in the, over the summer to like build self-esteem and all these things. But it was interesting because she would tell me about what they would do. And one of the days was focused on the, quote, power of the clit. And what? I remember I, and this is I guess this was my visceral reaction was that I would thought to myself like, well, that's a little young, you know, <laughs> to be having that conversation. I thought, I still thought it was great, but I'm like, I was like, I guess You're if like, I was a parent, I probably wouldn't introduce that so early. And then like over time, I feel like middle school, like a day later. Yeah. A day later, I'm like, what am I talking about? I mean, but they should young be men are the, told to basically yeah. t- taught to masturbate yeah, uh, at a really early age and why to do it. Sorry, go ahead, Nate. They should teach the power of the clit at boys camps though. Mm-hmm. That's yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how to find it. You, yeah. you heard it here first, folks. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. No, but, I mean, yeah. that's, such a, that's a, such a phenomenal thing to have that kind of open relationship with your mom. And my, my parents are really liberal, but we didn't have that kind of like that. We didn't have like that kind of sexually open uh, relationship. Did you, did you find, May, that like, I mean, because I had this when I was a kid. I grew up in a, in a Mormon household, but my p- family was pretty sort of liberal for the most part and progressive and like being gay or being queer and doing queer things never really was a problem per se. It was always sort of very normalized in the home. And it was only when at school, especially around middle school area times that I realized, Oh wait, other people aren't like this. Other people don't have that, that outlook, that liberal outlook in life. Did you have that, that disconnect between home life and school life? Yeah, totally. And also, because um, I, I started doing comedy when I was about 13. So that was like uh, very early, maybe when I was 15, 16, I, I was talking on stage, I guess, about dating girls and boys. And then I was so surprised by just the stuff that was written about it and like the reactions from audiences at that time. Because that, that, that was almost 20 years ago. So it was like mm-hmm. yeah. a different vibe. Like people, guys would, I'd, I'd be following guys who'd be 
being super homophobic and like killing and, and the audience Oof. was loving it and then I'd have to go up after and be like oh, hello yeah <laughs> but did you find a difference between like performing in Canada and performing in, in London um because there feel I mean it does feel like there's like a a small contingent but a strong one but a small a smaller contingent of you know American or Canadian comedians who find like performing in the UK to be more empowering or, or less empowering. I mean, it just feels it's like more civil. I'll say that. Yeah. Cause yeah. I've never done it, but I've, but I'm curious how it, how it has felt for you. I think you'd love it. It's it. Yeah. It's um, well, first of all, there's a huge infrastructure. So there's just thousands of gigs and tons mm. of people doing it. And, and it's big enough that there's room for tons of different types and cliques and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of alternative stuff going on. And then also, cause it's all centered around the Edinburgh fringe festival. Oh, right. Right. Like people are really used to watching an hour stand up that might have like an arc to it or like, like people, you know what I mean? It's sort mm-hmm. of a little more, it's less geared around like polishing a 20 minute, Club yeah. Set. So, yeah. yeah, I always found people were more, I mean, I've, I performed there a few times in London and then Edinburgh as well and Manchester a few times. And like, like people are just not in Manchester necessarily, but people are more yeah. civil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. People, people are more like they, they don't, the, the waitress doesn't come check the, or w- deal with the staff or like get the bill during your set. Like they yeah. wait until <laughs> your set is done. Like there's just yeah. a respect for like the performer that I find mm-hmm. sometimes is missing in the mm. U.S. or at least yeah. this side, you know, Maybe it's, it's a, a little more theatrical or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's definitely May, something. Make uh, can I also ask you because I know last year you wrote a book for teenagers that was it was like a guide to 21st century sexuality, which I thought yeah. I didn't buy it yet, uh, <laughs> only because I'm no longer in my teenage years. But yeah, man, you don't need it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what, I mean, t- what was it like? I mean, what was that experience like? What's the book like? Uh, I I don't know. It was I. Uh, I wish I'd, I wish I'd spent more time on it to be honest, but I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of it. What's cool is I tour, I did it. I toured it around schools a little bit and for, for teens. And that was amazing to see Mm. their reactions to it. And, and like filled me with so much hope for that generation. They're so cool and like way ahead of me. And like, they know stuff I don't know. And, and Mm. that was, that was cool. Mm. Um, yeah, but I never went to high school or anything. So I found it really hard to write a book. (laughs) Like, Mm. To yeah. sit down and and when I write stand up, I don't usually write it down. You know, right. so I, that was daunting. Uh, you said you I, never went to high school. No, I I dropped out when I was fifteen, sixteen. Oh, how did yeah. you frame? I mean, I'm just to say the book is called uh, "Can Everyone Please Calm Down." How did yeah. you frame? Um, I read the title and I want to be like, "Can everyone please calm down?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how I want it to be read. Yeah. <laughs> but what? Are, like, how do you frame? I guess the sexuality perspective. I mean, how, how do you frame the, the the sexuality perspective from somebody who is queer? You know, somebody who's bisexual and, and has, um, you know, it, who's not straight. What what does that look like when you try to talk about that in a book for for teenagers? I think that was a big part of it is reminding people that, um, I mean, particularly now in, in the media, all the conversations around sexuality are so politicized and it's all mm. about, the, you know, identity politics and stuff. And I, I wanted to kind of remind everyone that everyone has a sexuality that's unique and nuanced and weird and, you know, 
including like your grandma and Boris Johnson and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, hopefully and, together. Hopefully yeah, together. Hopefully together. God, God willing. Um, yeah. And just like uh, sort of demystify it. And it's supposed to be fun, right? It's about mm-hmm. love and sex. And it's so easy to forget that and get so stressed if you're a young person. and Play with um, your clit. Play with yeah. your clit. The Wait, why do young people get stressed? Just stressed about like. <laughs> I mean, I, I get these emails. I get tons of emails from 14, 15 year olds being like, I don't know what I am. And I thought I was oh, asexual, yeah. but now I think yeah. I'm pansexual. And I, it's, I just want to be like. Yeah, that's a, it's a great <laughs> angle. Just, hey, just, just chill out. Just well, don't, yeah, just, just don't, see, don't see sweat. Who you're attracted to. Yeah, and, yeah, right. May, I do want to bond with you over something right now that is really Uh-oh. important to me. And Here I was saving go. it. I was saving it for a long time because you and I share something from our youth and probably still today. Um, I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, yeah you, I feel like you do. <laughs> uh, I can't tell you how much of an influence <laughs> Bette Midler has yeah. been oh, okay. on my life, <laughs> on my yeah. life. To the right. point where I remember I was in the Lake of the Ozarks <laughs> and there was this movie thing and it was 1988 or something. And I was watching Big Business, you know, the yeah, movie from the 80s and with Lily Tomlin. Incre- I mean, it's an okay film, but I was obsessed <laughs> yeah. with Bette Midler after that. And after that, she just became sort of the, the guiding light for like both my stand-up, drag, existence, how I communicate, like incredible. What was Bette Midler? Yeah. Why was she such an influence for you? You were obsessed with her, right? As a kid? Beyond, yeah. Like it, it, I have, a, I have a photograph of my like my walls were just covered and oh my mm-hmm. god. Yes. Did you t- did you take her CDs? I used to take her CDs, the yeah, covers unfold. out, and I would put, I would unfold them, and I would put like them on my wall as posters. These little oh. tiny yeah. CD covers. Yeah. What there was, was one. Yeah. T- I want. I'm just. What, what was what was the the basis of this obsession obsession with her? The initial thing I think was seeing Hocus Pocus at, at some birthday party when I was six <laughs> and um, I didn't understand why I loved it so much. And, uh, but then I, I had like my first ever sex dream was about the, those witches and particularly wow. it, wasn't, wow. it wasn't even sex. It was just like, there was a, such a vibe. Of course, then, a vibe. Yeah, yeah of course, yeah. of course. Literally. And then it, like my mom loved Bette Midler. So then she started showing me all her movies and, uh, yeah, I just. What if your first sex dream was just literally about Kathy and Jimmy? Yeah, oh. <laughs> she's sexy, man. Yeah. My my drag getting ready shirt is a hocus pocus. Like, oh, that's I'm incredible! Yeah, obsessed. With, but I've I, always been really into like divas and and drag queens and like that kind of exaggerated femininity and confidence. And maybe it's because I don't I lack it, and I I'm just like it's they're like another species to me almost mm-hmm. the, that type of woman i'm so in awe of them but there I is just want to like serve them <laughs> there is something i mean in a way that bet midler does sort of personify that sort of over the top femininity she she in a weird way it was like she wasn't good enough for broadway so she went to the gay bathhouses to get famous which is exactly what she did and like yeah. it was this elevated sort of sense of confidence that that's that's it. Like that's the draw. I think for Bette Midler, it's she's incredible. Yeah. I Brand, almost don't oh, want to. Ahead, meet her. I'm almost just too scared to meet her ever. Well, I okay, I have met her in an awkward, mm. awkward, awkward way. So mm. I I met her at a thing in New York years years ago. But then one day, 
get this. One day, I was at my home here in Los Angeles, my old home here in Los Angeles, and I was coming up the street from my car, and I saw this beautiful mid-green Toyota Prius driving up the street. And there was a woman, there was a woman, I couldn't quite see her because I have horrible eyes. There was a woman with her phone out the window trying to get service, just lost, just lost. Oh my God. And I turn, I turn around, and it's Bette Midler. No. Midler, and I was like, oh my God, you're Bette Midler. And she smiled. And she <laughs> drove off because terrified. And then where did I see her? What, uh, she posts because I follow her on every account, social media thing ever. On Instagram, she was going to have lunch with Yoko Ono. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, they're, best, oh my they're like God. very good friends. They're like best friends. Really? Yeah. Those are mm-hmm. two icons. Yeah, I know. I'd have to, you'd have to like wear earplugs to, to have lunch with Yoko Ono. I feel like she <laughs> was screaming. Thing. My favorite thing, one of my, like just the perfect way to sort of encapsulate Brent in this conversation is that Brent has one specific memory of Bette Midler, right? It's the, that interview, right? Is that right? The interview from Larry King? Yeah. Oh. Where she, she gives like, she gives like sort of a tepid, <laughs> endorsement of gay marriage which i always thought which i I don't personally care i don't think she's obviously but i just i think it's a great representation of how far the movement has come because she i think the interview is in 2003 Mm -hmm. and larry king is like what do you think of gay marriage and this is apparently what i just learned a woman who was performing in bathhouses in the 60s yeah Yeah. and and then she she kind of hymns and haws and i just think it's kind of funny yeah do you remember that did you i I I never bring it up to her fans because it's maybe maybe a bummer but go ahead no i I remember being super disappointed yeah seeing that and then she's since been like oh i don't i took i take it back and yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, of course so Yeah. yeah Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. the best. You're the best, May. You yeah, and Matt Midler. You and Bette Midler are now my new favorite people. I mean, you're May, my new favorite people. Where can people find you on the internet? Where can they find you on social uh, media? The usual places, you know. Yeah, usual places. <laughs> MySpace. Um, yeah, you know. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn. Yeah. Everyone, um, check out uh, May's Netflix show. Please. Uh, I don't think anyone's watching it because I didn't get to promote it or anything. It just came out right uh, when lock, lockdown started. Oh, right. So yeah, if you like it, please, please. Yeah, tweet. <laughs> it's good, guys. It's really good. I can vouch. It's really good. I watched. Friends, thanks, well, thanks for being here and, and stay safe. Yeah, it was there. so fun to to see you guys, and uh, yeah. I think I met you, Elliot, and uh, just for laughs once, yes. very briefly. That's right, so, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, one day I'll meet you. Better circumstances. Yeah. When we meet yeah. in real life, we're gonna do a Bette Midler sing along. Oh my god! You'll be in your that. Prius, and Alan will be screaming, running after. Oh <laughs> 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 but for now, we're uh, we're from a distance. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> oh my god! There it is. Pun intended. All right, okay, bye, take guys. Care, May. And another thing. So, um, in celebration of women, not that it, I not think that it's we need a month lesbian or week. it's National Lesbian Week, I believe, or it was National Lesbian Appreciation Day recently or something. <laughs> right, right. But anyway, That's every day for every me is day for yeah, us. <laughs> for me, it's every day, and so I wanted to celebrate our favorite lesbians. That's right. That's a fun. <laughs> that's a fun idea, Elliot. Do you want to start things off? Sure. Of I have and by so, the way, just so you many. Know, we're not trying to be problematic. We are not tokenizing <laughs> no, just cele- at all. Celebrating. This is a celebration. This is a celebration. I have so many and some are better known than others, but for me, Cherry Jones is like the best actress that ever lived. Yeah. Not ever, yeah, but I, I love it. Explain what list. she's in. Explain what she's yeah. in. So oh my God. Know. She's in, she's in everything. She's in like Ryan Murphy shows. She's in, 
Uh, What's that Mel Gibson movie with the alien crops or whatever? What was that oh, called? Oh, Signs. She's in Signs. That's probably the most popular thing. She's, she's on like. Transparent. She she always yeah. has like a severe, naturally gray bowl cut kind Long-time of look. Longtime partner, Sarah Paulson. <laughs> yeah, not anymore, but not yeah. Not anymore, but she was. I just Wait, love Sarah, her. Wait, Sarah just, Paulson. Who's that? An actress, Sarah Paulson. Oh, okay. All right, cool. All right. <laughs> Um, yeah, Cherry Jones. I love Cherry Jones. Big fan of Sandra Bernhardt. Always, you know, mm-hmm. took me a while to get there, but when I finally like understood her, she's sort genius. Of subversive. I, 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 guess I, I, I remember always finding her like shocking. No, nah, she's literally. I, I mean, she's the coolest. She's literally the coolest. She's so good. Mm. I talk who's, about who's a gap cooler, in the teeth. Sandra Bernhardt. Sandra Bernhardt or me. Alan, who's Sandra Bernhardt. Sandra Bernhardt. <laughs> Sandra Bernhardt. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, wait, Alan, a, uh, wait, Alan. Let's 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 pepper them. Let's pepper them all in. Alan, one you well, yeah. Let's uh, well, let me let me just because I mean, Elliot and I are very similar, and I think we probably maybe initially bonded over our love of some of these lesbians when we first met. Um, so, like, I think a few that we should just get out there in the beginning. There are two: Rosie O'Donnell and sure. Judy Gold. That I think we all can yeah, agree Gold's classic, are like yeah. the top of the top. Judy Gold will be a guest on this podcast you yes. guys soon right. i was texting with her about that she those they are a classic us, stand-up I, comedian by the way yes she's incredible if you don't know who she is fuck you stop listening um, <laughs> she she's they're just incredible lesbians so those those are two i think that we should just stay and get them out of the way well, judy um, judy also too is like what's so great about her and, and you know eventually we'll have her on the show to talk more about it but her her stand-up is so funny and yeah. she's such a personality but on top of it in, the way she has weaved into her stand-up the normalcy of being a lesbian and a mother mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is like also so powerful unto itself. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but she's also she's... incredibly funny. But I also I, have, I mean, for me, the the bigger ones are like the down low political ones that Brent and I bond over, like Elena Kagan. Yeah, you're you. <laughs> she's confirmed. Who is, who is no? She's no, not confirmed. She's not confirmed. <laughs> Not confirmed. <laughs> but uh, but Alan is, I think, spot on and perhaps assuming. I've always maybe wondered if she's asexual. But anyway, uh, one of uh, on my list, you know, we have some classics. Janet Napolitano, who is in, <laughs> she was in Obama's cabinet. But one of my favorites was my ninth grade math teacher, Miss DeWitt. Mm-hmm. She was the most sort of cliche aggressive lesbian. She would. She would literally come into class hungover. Wow. And I, I, which I'm not saying that the lesbians do that. I'm just saying she would talk about her softball league, <laughs> like, like ad nauseum. She would come in hungover. To, like there, I was a freshman and there was like one or two sophomores or juniors in the class. Mm-hmm. And she like bonded with them and she loved them. But she also refused to come out. And I remember it came up once. I told one of my classmates, I'm like, Mrs. DeWitt is obviously a lesbian and he said it in class and and she was like i'm not a lesbian and she had like <gasps> the gruffest like voice <laughs> I, I subsequently saw her at gay bars and we i remember bonding with her over that moment where she's like you motherfucker you like tried to out me i'm like i didn't oh, wow. expect i didn't expect he was gonna say it out loud <laughs> uh, that is I still, great i still and one of my other favorite things about her was it she was a, she was actually technically a temp teacher, but she was there the whole year and she was looking for a job. So she asked me to write her a letter of recommendation, which I did. And because I was in ninth grade and I had no morals in my letter, I made up an entire story about how she came to my baseball game, even though it was like an away game. And, and it was like this long story, like looking up and seeing her in the stands and then and oh my she read God. it and she looked at me and she goes, this isn't true. I was like, yeah, who cares? She goes, all right, great. Thanks. <laughs> and just kept it. 
So I, I think Ms. DeWitt is one of my favorite people. One of my uh, we also, we also, Brent and I love uh, um, more than Alan. Alan, you don't love her as much, but Susan Sontag. No, um, we right. love her, but it's but the irony is that we don't love her because of her writing. We love her because right. of a contentious interview. interview she did in like yeah. 1993. Which we, which we, we actually uh, sort of uh, under the under the uh, cover of darkness uh, quote like twice. Uh, tw- uh, Twice an episode, and that was the clunkiest <laughs> way of saying. We qu- we quote it all the time. Is what I'm trying. Well, to also say. in that realm, I mean, for me, in that same realm of the Susan Sontag world is Fran Lebowitz. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they were fan. partners. Yeah. No, 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 they weren't partners. They weren't partners. Oh, they weren't? No. no, she was partners with Annie Lebowitz. Annie uh-huh. Lebowitz, oh, the photographer. Sorry. Yeah, oh. anti-Semite. I know. I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> I also love. Uh, obviously, I, I I love Meredith Baxter Burney, one of the late in life mm-hmm. lesbians yeah. who came out after being married to a man. I love when that happens. Um, Holland <laughs> Taylor. Who, who's the, 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 I like the, how you love when that happens. I know when somebody when somebody is tortured sexually well, was, for that years. That was on my list too. Well, Ms. Bunting, Ms. Bunting is my sixth grade teacher, and that, she was on my list too because she came out also late in life. I love it, and I think that's. I mean, I think that's really powerful. I love well, it. I love really, it. I mean, you know, it, imagine living your whole life. You know, you've established a life. Uh, Miss Bunting had children. She was married. Like that's a big deal. I think. I, I think, think it's, that's the, really it's the it's the it's the flu- fluidity of sort of sexuality that I think women. It, oh, one of the great things about yes. women, they're allowed to express in ways that men cannot. Often, absolutely. My my yeah. childhood best friend, um, you know, he was like one of four boys in a very like rambunctious, you know, Irish Catholic house, mm. and his mom was like a little. She could be scary, you know. And years, you know, years and years and years later, um, her one of the boys came out as gay, and she gave him a hard time for it, mm. and that was, you know, hard for him. And now she lives with a woman. Yeah. Oh, well, that's wow. usually how it woman. is. It's yeah. the repression. Oh, I know. I have to say, one of my current favorite lesbians out in the world right now, doing amazing work is Mayor Lori Lightfoot of Chicago, oh, Illinois. Right. That's right. We I talked mean, about her on the podcast about, once. I am obsessed with her only because, I mean, sure, Chicago's a liberal city for the most part. Um, and But yet the way that she, this sort of like tiny black butch lesbian, was able to not only win the mayorship in in chicago of course it's a, a democrat winning is not a shock right, there right. but in the primary the primary, percentage right. the percentage in which she won the primary blew my mind and it, it made me sort of really hopeful for the future i think she i'm just so impressed by her mm. i'm also i'm i'm also gonna uh impressed by some uh lesbians in music uh <laughs> my favorite being michelle nadegiacello who's also, you just like saying that <clears throat> name. I yeah, love her. I She's like butch and, and and like very unapologetic, and I love her. But her, Tracy Chapman. Oh uh, sure. I love Brandy Carlisle, and I will. And also nobody. And I and I firmly believe that nobody has a better voice on planet Earth than Katie Lang. Oh, oh interesting. Wow, that's controversial. Technically, she has the like a actual perfect voice. You not know, even I, not even better than mine. Better than yours. I wow. hate music but i it is it is a bunch of lesbian singers that made me decide where i was going to college i remember i was in chicago looking and you schools. hated college so you should hate college for that, i know right? i should right i was in chicago i was looking at schools and and it was the indigo girls were performing some free concert downtown and mm-hmm. i went and i was like you know i think this is a good place i think i'm gonna stay ellie did you go to lilith fair 
Yes, I did go to the Louisville oh, Fair. I did that. I did. It's very on brand. I did too. I, I did too. I went to the one in St. Oh, you Louis. Went to, you went yeah. too? Yeah. For some reason, it seems less on brand for you. Wait, Brent, but, I, lo- uh, I mean, Alan, I love that you wrote on your list Queen Latifah and then Hattie McDaniel. Yeah. Because they're, I mean, I had just watched Hollywood and I remember yes. like how much I loved Hattie McDaniel, who was very gen- was very sort of sexually fluid and stuff and great Academy Award winning actress from Gone with the Wind. Uh, and, and then in watching it, because Queen Latifah played her in the show Hollywood, I was like, you know, Queen Latifah is kind of one of those powerful low-key lesbians who won't get out of the closet. Like, I like her. Wait, is that, so Eleanor Roosevelt, that's on your list, Brent. Yeah. She was deaf. Like, what was the deal with her? She was deaf. You know, I don't. I know that she was. Um, I, 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 I never, never really know because there's so well, much contrarianism on the internet that they're like, actually, you'll read one thing and then you watch a documentary and it says she had this, you know, very te- intense relation, emotional relationship with this woman, and it seems by all accounts that they there's a great had a relationship. But then other people were like, well, actually, and then you know, whatever. Go ahead, Doris. I say if you're if you're ever confused about history, always trust Doris Kearns Goodwin, and there is a great book. <laughs> <laughs> that Doris Kearns Goodwin wrote about the Roosevelts, and she is an expert in these things. And sure. she basically said after FDR had his affair um, with France, something I forget, uh, the 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 actual the marriage, the intimate part of their marriage ended, and that's when Eleanor was really able to explore this relationship mm. with this other woman that lasted like thirty years, mm. and 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 all throughout when he was president, and then after, of course. And it, it's a, uh, I mean. The history points to the likelihood that yes, she was a lesbian, yeah, yeah, or she I, had a same-sex relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think what to a- close things out, uh, I think, and I don't know how we glossed over this, but my favorite lesbian of all time, H. Allen Scott. <laughs> <laughs> What would your aunt say, uh, Brett? What would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's podcast? Four braces, you had a gap in your teeth, and let's just say it wasn't cute. (laughs) Uh, My Aunt Joanne would say, you know, I saw Judy Gold in Fort Lauderdale, and she is hilarious. (laughs) How about Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, wait, Queen Latifah's a lesbian? (laughs) I don't think I can watch Chicago anymore, but I love Set It Off. (laughs) <laughs> oh man, I still think the, my favorite thing is the movie poster for whatever, I don't remember the name of the movie, but it's a movie, like a romantic comedy between Common and La- Queen Latifah. And they're like <laughs> hugging each other in the poster. And it's like, this is so <laughs> charmless. Uh, there, could be no, there could be less sexual chemistry like, here. That is so, it's like, you, you can tell like Queen Latifah's people were like, uh, they don't kiss, right? Yeah, they, they just so They funny. shake hands in the poster. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, thank you for listening. And you know, now it's now, if ever there were time to watch the Queen Latifah Common basketball, rom-com <laughs> whatever now. it's called it's yeah now. i'm elliot glazer thanks for listening oh hello I'm brent sullivan oh. <laughs> brent, brent forgot his name i'm h allen scott <laughs>